You're listening to Evoke, a podcast that inspires people to share their stories. Because although we all have unique struggles, we get through it together. Here are your co-hosts, Bracken Level and Brandon Paxton. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the show. We are so stoked to be here with you today with an incredible guest, Seth Studley, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist and co-host with his lovely wife of the Anatomy of Marriage, the Anatomy of Sex, and the Anatomy of Family podcasts. Their platform is incredible. So as soon as you get done with this episode, you're going to want to go check them out. Um, But let's hear a little bit from Seth. Seth, how are you? Good, man. How are you guys doing today? Can't complain. Right yeah, on. super stoked to be here. Right on. Yeah, yeah, me too. I Thank you for, for reaching out. Yeah, I, so I'm outside of Seattle, and I'm looking at blue sky and some green trees, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. It's not raining. Uh, typically, the summers are the best time out here, so we're, we're, I'm super stoked. You know, we have, we have three kids. I'm, like, planning some stuff to do outdoors and summer and stuff, um, but yeah, yeah, glad to be here. That's awesome. So, so the I just have to insert here. So the whole uh, the idea that Seattle's always rainy that's true then. Other yeah, than the well, summer, huh? Yeah, it's true. Uh, originally, I'm from South Carolina, and like in the upstate area, we we got as much rain in South Carolina as Seattle does, except it just came in thunderstorms and stuff. Here, it's like a more of a drip kind of gray thing. So yeah, it is it is a pretty true thing, but you do get used to it. It's not like rain twenty four seven. It's just kind of you know, I was like, oh, it's been great for two days or three days. This is kind of, you know, getting me down. But uh, typically when, when the days are good, it's pretty awesome. So that's funny that you bring that up. I was actually going to ask how that affects you. If you feel like those long terms of, of gray kind of cloudy days affects your happiness or your mental health. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely does. In fact, there's a, it's, it's called SAD. It's called SAD, seasonal affective disorder. And that's actually like in the DSM and it's a diagnosable thing. And when I first moved out here, we had, we, we hit a record. I think it was like 75 consecutive days of rain. And that was like, right when I moved out here. So I was like, Oh my gosh, this sucks, man. What, what have I done kind of thing? So yeah, it, it definitely does affect your mood a lot of people out here by um uh natural uh light like uh i don't know like office lights and stuff to do that i really i don't know i'm not never really gotten that bad but yeah it really does kind of like oh man this is it's great okay for the 30th day in a row this is not cool <laughs> oh i can imagine so yeah that's an interesting thing um i've actually come across that i don't know a whole lot about it but you can definitely see um why people would be you know, a little bit gray, you know, not to yeah. be too cliche with what you've already said, but, uh, but to be down a little bit, which, you know, why that, that, that reminds me like what, why, first of all, why Seattle? Why did you choose Seattle? Mm-hmm. And, and why is it that you decided to, to pursue this route in your life, I guess? Yeah, that's a good question. So it's kind of a long question, but there's oh, no, no other answer, right? <laughs> so I'm from South Carolina and during undergrad, me and all my buddies were in bands, right? I played drums and we were in bands in college and we would do, you know, small tours and stuff. So we're like, okay, let's finish our degrees. Let's pursue music full time. And after we finished undergrad, we're like, okay, let's move to Seattle, right? And so we did because, uh, you know, Seattle, okay, that's a long ways away from South Carolina. The music scene's pretty cool. We liked the music that was coming out of, you know, uh, Seattle at the time. So we're like, all right, let's go to Seattle. So fast forward, we all moved to Seattle, um, which is a crazy story in itself. And then we got a record 
uh, deal with the uh, Tooth and Nail Records out here in Seattle. Toured for a long time, and then I met Melanie. And turns out, being on the road eight months a year doesn't really help you to have a greatest the greatest relationship, you know, especially like in the early parts of it. So I was like, okay, forget this. So I I quit the band and I went to grad school. And I first got interested in psychology in tenth grade when I read a book uh, named uh, it was called um, When Rabbit Howls. And it was about uh, person um, multiple. Well, it, back then it was called um, multiple personality disorders. You know, like you 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 switch from this personality to that to this one to that one, and it's always a trauma response in some way. Now I think we call it disassociative identity disorder. But I was just fascinated in tenth grade after I read that book. I was like, oh my gosh, the brain can like save itself from itself and has these multiple different personalities to like meet what the situation calls for at the time so that was my first foray into like the brain and psychology and then i like my my undergrad degree is in psychology and then i was like okay let's pursue this full time and go uh, to grad school to get a um, masters of uh, marriage and family therapy so yeah uh, so and then i got married and boom that's the that's the whole thing <laughs> yeah well, so were you studying in seattle as well for your for your graduate program yeah, yeah, I got my grad degree at a, a Seattle Pacific University out here, just in downtown Seattle, and uh, yeah, okay. it was a great program. So um, what? What did let, it, me, let me? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna ask, what did it look like after graduating, uh, getting into the field that you were interested in? Was it was it kind of difficult? Um, I know that generally, it's kind of hard to get experience as a therapist um, without having your degree or previous experience, and so it's kind of like. It's, it's hard to get started. Uh, what was that like for yeah. you coming out of grad school in Seattle? Yeah. So a counseling degree is one of those degrees to where you can't legally or ethically practice unless you have like a legit degree, right? It's like, right. I don't want to go to a doctor who, you know, studied online courses for two weeks and now he's a, you know, MD or whatnot. So uh, in those programs, they're designed to where you also have uh, internships while you're in school. So you're, you're in the field, you're networking, you're getting that experience, you're gaining hours that is going to go towards your licensure. Now, getting, getting a job after that, a lot of folks go into private practice. I went into agency work and started developing my own mental health programs in very niche communities, which a lot of people don't do that, but I was really successful at that. Um, and that can be hard, but a lot of folks kind of network like, oh, I was an intern here. You know, I know my supervisor there, they had an opening, then they just kind of jump into that. Um, most people do agency work for a while and then dive into private practice. Um, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different avenues. And I did that for about 14 years and recently stopped all of that, which we can talk about later. But yeah, it, it's a pretty interesting uh, journey there. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's, that's way interesting. Um, I'm curious to hear about that. I, I wanted to make sure we go back to what you were about to say, though. Oh, well, so I was going to, you know, flip the switch a little bit. What got you guys so interested in mental health and reducing and pushing back against the stigma of mental health health? Because it's something that, of course, as a uh, licensed professional, I see that all the time. But what got you guys into that? Uh, do you have degrees in psychology? You're studying anything like that right now? 
Yeah, so I do. Um, I actually just graduated with my degree, my bachelor's um, in nice. counseling psych. Um, I'm actually going into marriage and family therapy. Sweet. This fall, I start my program. But um, what got us into it, I've always been very interested in, in the brain and, and in human relations. I, I think it's something that I've seen, you know, in my bubble, I've seen a lot of addiction, a mm-hmm. lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, ADHD, that type of thing. And, and it just, I guess that personal experience mixed with travel and, and seeing the world, seeing what a problem it is. Mm-hmm. Something that I believe is that we, I, I don't know, this is a pers- personal belief. I'm not trying to give people advice, but I, I think that we should contribute our talents to the world around us, at least to our circles, right? Mm-hmm. And I saw, okay, I have some talents in this area and I have some understanding and I like to learn. So I'm going to pursue this education and, and give back. Um, and I'll, I'll let Brandon kind of share the other side as far as like the podcast goes, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, I'm kind of the opposite. I growing up didn't really have anything to do with mental health other than it's a, it's a part of everybody's life, obviously, but I wasn't studying psychology. I didn't, I didn't go to college for that. I went to college for business actually. And, um, thinking about starting my own business, all that stuff was on my mind constantly. I was working with startups, different different uh, entrepreneurs and all that. And I actually started working for this, uh, this little incubator at Dixie state. It's the innovation plaza where all these entrepreneurs can come in with their ideas and we help them with their startups. And um, Mm -hmm. we actually internally started working on a mental health startup. We didn't necessarily know what was going to come out of it, but we knew what the problem was. We started looking at, at college students and the, the effects on their mental health at, at that age, that stage of life. And then we also went into rural areas, the, the, the treatments that they have. And, and I start, I just started to see all these problems in the mental health area of, of what we were studying. And I, I saw that really it, it, it's not talked about, you know, I, all these years I was going to school, living my life, didn't really know much about mental health, didn't hear about it. It was kind of, you know, somebody brings it up, they get hushed, they, you know, don't talk about that. Uh, that's kind of how, how I, I grew up and seeing the numbers and seeing how many people struggle with mental health and how hard it is on people. Mm-hmm. It just like blew my mind. I was like, how is nobody talking about this? Like we should be yeah. talking about this. And me and Bracken, I'd known him for a couple of years and he had always said we should start a podcast. But I was like, man, we don't have anything to talk about. Like, what are we, gonna, we're not <laughs> businessmen. Like we don't have our own businesses. We're poor college yeah. students. Like, what are we going to talk about? And then after I was doing all that research, I was like, you know, might as well put this to good use. I called Bracken and I was like, you want to start this for real? And uh, I was, I was, I was like 75% in. As soon as I called Bracken, he was 100% in, just started it right then and there. He's like, this is what we need to do. I was like, dang, okay, this is my life now. This is what we're doing. Nice. So, nice. Yeah, that's how we I got in. It. I love it. Yeah. At Jordan, I think it's Jordan B. Peterson. He says, uh, it's a moral obligation to pursue what you find meaningful. And, and I, I think that's kind of sums up what Brandon and I kind of came to. It was like, look, this is a huge problem. And, and we're kind of big thinkers, probably dreamers to our fault a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we're like, hey, let's, let's try to make an impact, you know, in whatever way yeah. we can. Yeah, that's awesome. And I like that you quoted Jordan, Jordan Peterson in that. And it's also like, if you think about it, um, my father-in-law who is also an entrepreneur and like builds programs and he's CEO of like a 3000 employee thing. And it's all in the social service 
fields, everything from, okay, homeless shelters to food kitchens to intense crisis mental health work out here in Western Washington, right? And he always said this thing. He's like, okay, Seth, you know, once you see these things, no matter what they are, you won't be able to unsee them, you know, like, because being, being in mental health for so long, like I work, so, so my, my mom is native uh, from a tribe in South Carolina. So is my wife's uh, dad. He's native um, from a tribe out in Minnesota. Right. And so most of my work has been in uh, minority communities, uh, mainly tribal communities, right. Native Americans and Alaska natives and stuff. So I would, you know, just be, be down in, in the trenches with, with these guys, you know, and I remember one very specific thing. I was driving these two kids who I was seeing, because we did a lot of like unconventional, really out of the box thinking therapy, which I absolutely love because it's very like on the forefront of stuff. And it, it's tailored to exactly what they need. It's not like, okay, you come to the office for 50 minutes and we're going to talk about these things and then boom, you're going to go out. No, it was home visits. It was outdoor experiential stuff. It was all kinds of stuff, right? It was my wheelhouse, right? And all in a cultural model. So anyway, I remember these two eight-year-old twins that I had, I've been working with them for, I don't know, maybe a year, I think. And I had set uh, up um, uh, some housing for them and their dad, you know, they were formerly homeless and stuff. I remember dropping them off at an empty apartment, right? And then driving in downtown Tacoma, which is another uh, city out here in Seattle, and like just looking over and I looked in the window of this really, really fancy steakhouse, right? And it was only like, probably 500 yards away from where they were right so i just went from this like okay homeless really down and out kids to this over here and i'm not saying you know going to a steak dinner is bad or anything like that but i was like something just clicked in my brain i was like wait a minute there is a huge gap between what i just did and the work that i did to this you know i'm not judging it in a bad way or anything but i was like okay i can't unsee you know the work that i've been doing and then just ignore it and like pretend it doesn't happen, right? So, you know, you, we do have an ethical obligation because I can't unsee some things that I've seen. So it would, it would require some sort of switch to, for me and my brain to like turn off and go, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna ignore that and then go over here kind of thing. So that's part of um, a lot of my work in mental health. But it's so interesting that you guys like had uh, some interest in this and then like the growth mindset and the drive to be like, okay, wait a minute, I'm seeing these things. Why, why are people talking about this? This is unacceptable. Let's do something about it. So I really respect you guys for doing what you're doing in, in whatever way that you're impacting people and hopefully lessening the stigma of mental health. And I know I've been talking for a long time, but you know, I think people, whenever I, when I didn't know about mental health or when, talk, when I talk to people that don't know about mental health, they really think like, oh, mental health, you have to be kind of like crazy, right? Like you're out in the streets yelling and I, I still do consulting work for chronic um, uh, um, homeless folks down in Seattle, you know? So I see mm -hmm. like, you know, people running around, no shoes on. Sometimes they don't have any clothes on, right? Just, you know, screaming and all this stuff. And they're in acute uh, psychosis, acute crisis, right? Which is mm -hmm. generally drug or alcohol induced or maybe not. It's, it's either or, right? So some people when you talk about mental health that's what they think about like oh the crazy dude down there you mm -hmm. know but yeah. mental health is just like physical health you know we don't say oh physical health oh that guy that had a heart attack no you physical health like 
what's your cholesterol? Do you exercise? Are you lean? Are you overweight? Are you too skinny? Kind of thing, right? So I would like to, to talk about mental health in, oh, good mental health as, as balanced, right? Or mental health as, oh, they had an anxiety attack, but everything else in their life is, is okay. They just need to go, you know, have a couple sessions with their, with a therapist or a counselor and talk about this stuff. Cause maybe they've never talked about it for 20 years. Right. Yeah. So mental health entails all of that, all of that, mm-hmm. not just the crazy dude on the corner. Right. Yeah. Well, and it, it, I, I want to ask you, could you go a little deeper on that from a therapist perspective, from a cl- clinician's perspective, what's that, what's that stigma like? Because it really is so much more than we see. And, and mm-hmm. on um, our first episode of this second season that we're doing, we talked to our friend of ours, Clint Pulver, and he said, I can't remember the exact statistic, but I think it was like 20% of people or it's 25% of people are, are only that many are actively pursuing positive mental well-being, yeah. which is crazy to me. Absolutely yeah. insane. But, but people see, well, and I don't like to general generalize, but, but many people see going to a therapist as, as a sign of weakness or right. maybe it's a sense of pride for them that they don't, you know, I can handle my own problems. Can you talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's also different tiers of that stigma, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's less stigmatized for a female to go and talk to a counselor than it is for just a dude, right? Because of, you know, masculinity or whatever, like, oh, we're supposed to have it all together kind of thing. So it, I, I, I don't know where actually it happened, maybe like in the thirties or forties or fifties or something like that. It's like, oh, if you have to go talk to somebody about your problems, that just means that you can't handle your own stuff. So if you can't handle your own stuff, then that means you are less than, and then if you're less than, then you shouldn't, I don't know, think that you're okay or whatever. So I really don't know where that, that came from. I don't have any like anecdotal, you know, top of mind stats or anything like that. But um, why isn't it acceptable to like, oh, geez, man, I'm, I'm having a problem with something that I don't know about. Hmm. I'm going to go get help for it. Because in all other areas, that would be the acceptable thing to do, right? If my if I don't know how to like drop the transmission from my, my truck or something, am I ashamed? Cause I don't know that. I'm like, no, I don't know that. So I'm going to take it to a, you know, the, the dealership or something like that. And they're going to do it for me and nobody's going to judge it. If I said, Hey, Brandon, Hey Bracken, you know, my truck broke down. I had to take it to the shop. You're like, Oh man, that sucks. What happened? You know, you wouldn't judge me or anything weird like that. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think in fact, because I, I, I like the topic of, of men's mental health, you know, um, as a man, as a mental health therapist, and as someone who has had some struggles before, like increased anxiety when just stuff was going crazy with family and whatnot. I've gone to a therapist like, man, I can't figure this out. I need to, I need to go talk to somebody about it. That is actually a sign of, of strength, right? Because if I know myself well enough to go okay Seth don't BS yourself here you don't know what you're doing you got to go get some outside help right so go do that and a lot of guys um that that uh, I talk to who have done that are like yeah it's one of the best things I've ever done and if my you know buddies or whatever was making fun of me then like I just kind of like snap at them like bro what's the big deal I went and got help you should go check out a therapist too and so many people have an aversion to especially marriage uh, and family therapy. 
marriage counseling as well. They think, oh man, uh, our marriage, our relationship is so messed up. I'd be so embarrassed to go and talk to somebody about it. But that is one of the things that I say to young couples, especially and old couples too, who have been married for a minute, like go get some help, make that investments in your marriage, right? Like you guys both were in college. I assume you probably are fairly growth mindset and, you know, you've been to the gym probably a time or two, right? Um, that's an investment in, in who you are, right? Like, is there, has there yeah. ever been a time that you've gone to the gym or like ran a mile or went swimming or, or something and got done and be like, oh, that was stupid. That was a waste of time. No, you ever thought no, yeah, it always makes you feel better. No. Yeah. It always makes you feel better and like accomplished in some way. Like, yeah, okay. That, I feel good mental going to a uh, mental health therapist or getting a consultation or getting a coach or anything like that reading a book about mental health is going to do that for you so i'm just like here to say to the listeners as a licensed person's like drop the stigma if you need help go get help especially if you're struggling with thoughts of severe depression or self-harm or anything like that uh please 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 go because that you know that clinician is going to understand you. Um, it may be the first time that you've talked to another person about something you've been holding on to forever, you know? And I, I liken it to like, dude, you've been carrying around a 50 pound backpack full of rocks for 20 years. Let's take that thing off, you know? And when people do, when I have clients that do that, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was possible. I was so used to like carrying this thing around. Thank you so much. Okay, let's continue to do the work. Uh what do you think it's going to take or how do you think we can, we can get to the point where people going to a therapist or seeking help for their mental health is just as common as going to the gym or, or some sort of growth, like you mentioned before, going to school, educating yourself? Yeah. Oh man, that's a, that's a great question. I think when they see like folks like yourselves or other even like celebrities or, or anything like that, you know, when, when the, when it goes mainstream of like, Oh yeah, my best friend went to a therapist. She said it was great. Or like, Oh, you know, especially in church community or whatever, like, Oh, my pastor is talking about therapy. Uh, okay. It's not a bad thing or people on podcasts or, you know, whoever. So when it, when it gets to mainstream like that, it's like, okay, we're beginning to normalize this thing uh and luckily we're, we're hearing it a lot and i think covid oh and here's another thing sorry i kind of get all over the place but here's another thing with with covid the the not the advent but the really like okay this is pushed to the forefront really quickly uh, of telehealth services right like you have better help or you know we work with getfaithful.com or uh, simple what is it simple practice like Zoom calls like this for teletherapy are like, yeah, that's just what we do right now. So that's, that's definitely easier. easier. So access to care, of course, um, uh, affordability, which a lot of uh, um, telehealth or, or, uh, um, is less expensive than like the traditional brick and mortar kind of thing, you know, like go to the office, wait in the waiting room, stuff like that. Because of course, on the business side, you don't have you don't have the uh, overhead or rent or, you know, uh, right. all kinds of weird insurance that you have to have, you know, right. for slip and fall insurance and stuff like that. So um, bringing it to the forefront, guys like you, uh, both of you talking about it and advocating for it, uh, whatever in whatever you do and just normalizing it, that will really get the ball down the field for 
more people getting the help that they need, um, lessening the stigma of mental health, and then actually looking at mental health the same as, oh, I cut my arm, I got to get stitches. Oh, I went through a bad breakup or a divorce or, you know, one of my parents passed away or I have grief or like things are so stressful right now. Okay. Yeah. Go to your mental health provider. Talk about it. Don't hold it in. Go talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, well, thank you, first of all. But I, I think it's also guys like you, like I, we've been so stoked to have you on because here, like here you are, you're, you're so cool. Like you, you can tell, like you just, you're, you're animated. You, you have a lot to say and you're adventurous, like super business minded. And to hear from a clinician, any guy that's listening to this is going to hear that and go, Oh, I want to go to a therapist like him. Right. You know what I mean? And so it, it's no longer something scary or something shameful. Rather it's, it's something that like, Oh, I'm excited to go meet that guy. Yeah. Um, so, so that's pretty cool. Um, I, uh, I thought just slipped my mind. Oh, I wanted to say, what about in marriage? What, let, let's say mm -hmm. you, you do graduate, you, you've achieved a lot of the things that you wanted to in your life or you haven't, whatever, but you're, you're to this point in your life that you always looked forward to or whatever the reason may be. And now your life's sort of mundane. Let me give you an example. I, I was a college athlete. It, that, that transition from athletics Mm -hmm. out it sucks it's it, it it sucks so bad because that's your identity yeah a lot of it anyway that's a lot of your identity and so then you get into your normal everyday life and it's like yeah kind of like I like my life I'm happy I I have things like I I own this I own that mm -hmm. whatever but it's mundane what do you what do you say to that both with a little bit of a loaded question but both with marriage or or just the mundane life, like going to work and you're like, uh, like, yeah, I have what I need, but I, I just not that happy. What do you say yeah. to those things? Yeah. So we, we talk a lot about that. And have you guys heard of a book called the big leap by Dr. Gay Hendricks? I have not think I've read that. Uh, it, you, oh man, you guys, you guys have to read it. It's it. And he talks about, um, so how we are in three different zones just at any stage of our life, a zone, uh, might get them wrong here but i get them mostly right i guess uh, a zone of oh a zone of incompetence which is like hey i'm just doing nothing i'm just a knot on a log or something right and then a zone of competence to where like yeah i do what i do to get by you know i, I work a job i show up but i really don't care and just you know come home and watch netflix and do nothing right and then they um, there's a zone of excellence where okay I'm pretty good at what I do. I get good numbers at my job, whatever that is. Um, we go on vacation and it's kind of cool, but there's still just something missing. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Right. But then there's a zone of genius, right? And a zone of genius is sometimes we talk about it as a flow state, like, oh yeah, I was doing this thing for two hours and time just went by because we were doing exactly what we wanted we were feeling accomplished about it and it really came easy kind of thing right so how can we all get in our zone of genius is what he talks about and he, he talks about that that takes a big leap from what we know to being courageous and brave enough to be able to leave that and jump over here and make that leap like i just quit my job of 15 years uh, in uh, July of 2020, right? That was a big leap. 
well, I was scared, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is comfortable. This is solid. But then I've always been entrepreneurial minded and building programs and stuff. And that's when me and Melanie transitioned to doing anatomy and marriage full-time and then also high performance coaching full-time. And it's been awesome. It's been a freaking blast, right? So if anyone is, is feeling like what you, you were saying, Bracken, I would say, okay, let's, let's lean into what you do like, right? Like if I had a coaching client like this, I would say, all right, tell me about a time when you can recall, like you were just super fired up to do something, to build something, to be a part of this project team, or like have this goal in mind, you know, and most clients would be like, oh yeah, you know, the, the handful of times when I got to do this and do that, but then life happened is like, oh, and we had a kid and then I had to get a real job or whatnot kind of thing, which is fine. There's no, there's no shame in that or what, whatnot. But if you feel yourself feeling that or having that uh, sense of some sort of cognitive dissonance, like, kind of don't want to do this, but it's good. I'm good at it. You know, people say I'm good at it, so it's fine. I want people to really lean into that. Like, do you feel that way right now, Bracken, when you, when you left uh, college athletics into the transition of, of what you're doing now? Yeah. So first of all, I, d- I didn't mean to make that about me. That's just something that oh, no. um, I'm kind of talking about. Like I, I, uh, I actually feel that more like where I have a lot to really lean into right now. Mm. Um, one of the reasons why I, I decided to, to go through with that transition, I guess, um, from athletics out, but, but, uh, I guess I just, my point is that I I see it a lot. I see it a lot around me where people get to this point where they're past college, they -hmm. finally got married, they finally got that job. And they're like, yeah, it really wasn't what I thought it would be. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I, I did go through that. I, I went through a lot where I was like, I had purpose outside. Like I, I really enjoy being, with my wife doing things all the time, but like, I didn't like, we weren't going to make a living doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew what I wanted to do for my career, but just like we talked about, you got to go on and get more degrees, more experience, more go on and do that. So I was like, okay, well now this everyday competition thrill, the thing that like drives me every morning, all of a sudden it's like gone. And so yeah. I had to go and dig down and refine that. But, but, uh, my, my question is more just to like the general population, because I, I truly see, I could name 15 people that I've seen it and, and I won't, but I, I, I've seen it mm-hmm. that it's like, they finally got what they thought they always wanted. Yeah. And now the best years are behind them type of thing. But that, yeah. that's so not true. Oh no, not at all. In fact, if we are willing to, to do the work and kind of question why we're feeling like this, not just as accepting it, like, okay, well that wasn't all cracked up at, it's not all cracked up as I thought it would be. So, well, I'm here. So what am I going to do? Go back to school and start all over. A lot of people say no to that, but I went to graduate school with people who were like 45 and 50 and like 60 years old after a a full career going, yeah, I really got tired of that. And I decided to go back to grad school and study this. And now I'm a therapist happy as can be. Right. So you have to be willing to be like, okay, um, Am I going to accept where I am right now and just go, oh, well, I'm just resigned to that. Or am I going to, you know, have a little bravery and a little courage and really lean into something go, oh, what if I did that? Because this is what my coach told me a a while back uh, when before we had made the full transition to, to coaching and stuff. And he was like, Seth, 
if you don't do all these things that you're talking about, like things that we've talked about and planned out and stuff, if you don't do them, somebody else will, right? And is that somebody else like super special or super talented or super awesome, like beyond you? And I was like, well, no, not really. He's like, then why not you? And it just kind of hit me. I was like, oh, there's no reason. There's absolutely no reason. So I'm going to go out there and get that. And I, I was at that point too, doing the same thing, like building programs and stuff, seeing the same people, same people over and over. Although it was rewarding because I was helping people. It was just like, Oh my gosh, this is more of the same kind of thing. And I had to sit with that for like two years, you know, cause I was in my zone of excellence. I was good at it. People liked me. It was great. I did good work, but I knew that there was something else out there. And I'm telling you, like, I am so thankful that I, I made that big leap because it is so much different on this side. And if I can do it, then a million other people can do it too. So I think one, one piece of advice I would give to that is like, okay, really think about what you actually do want and why can't you attain that? Right. There's no reason, you know, there's, there's, there's no, there's no reason that I could do it and other people can't. Yeah. Yeah. I love that as well. And so you, you found your purpose. You decided to take that leap into excellence and you chose marriage counseling and, and coaching with your wife. What made you guys go into that? You know, you kind of talked a little bit about, you know, your, your past, you studied that and all that, but why specifically into marriage counseling? Yeah. So I'd always liked psychology and I knew I'd wanted to be in the counseling field to some degree. Right. And then I was thinking, okay, well, um, I like helping people. I've always been in the helping profession to some degree. And I was just drawn to marriage and family therapy. I was always fascinated about family dynamics and family of origin stuff. You know, they say that uh, we learn how to do relationships with our wives or other partners through the university of uh, family, right? Like I, I, I learned how to, you know, be a dad or how a mom should be a mom or how to be a brother through my own family, right? So I'm going to perpetuate that in my family currently. But there's things that we do uh, unwillingly that I don't want to perpetuate that I, you know, some of the like, ah, you know, my dad was this way. I don't want to be that way. Or my mom was this way. I don't want to marry a person who was that way. So we have to be willing to look at those things, you know, but I was always fascinated with all those dynamics. Right. And so the reason that we are where we're at now with me and Melanie and anatomy of marriage podcast is because we went through a really hard time and we talk about it on the show, of course, but my wife gave me a black eye, right? And like after a bunch of fighting and stuff, it was not cool, right? Nobody gets married thinking, okay, yeah, this woman is going to give me a black eye in a couple of years. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> thinks that, right? And all this time, I was a marriage and family therapist. I was like, what the heck am I doing? I just got punched in the face. She's saying I want a divorce. And she was postpartum. We just had our second kid and stuff. So we went through a really, really hard time that we should not have made it out of, right? We should not have made it out of all that crap that we went through, but we did. And we were like, let's make this a podcast. <laughs> I don't know why we thought of that, but we were like, okay, this is our message. We got through it. If we got through it, we can definitely give help to other couples that, that go through it. Right. So we just pressed record on our conversations and it started out literally conversations on an iPhone. 
and we edited those down and like, you know, put some themes around it. And that was the first season of, of the show. It was us recording arguments, recording like, why did we do what we were doing kind of thing. And I'm a big fan of Brene Brown's work, like leading with vulnerability. And we're like, okay, what does it matter? We're going to put it all out there in hopes of going first to encourage other folks who are going through the same things to also be able to share their story and get healing from that and processing from that. And we've just kept on going and going and going and going and interviewing, you know, a handful of really, really super awesome people and stuff. And then also just getting normal couples, normal stories and normalizing all this stuff and like, Oh, you go through that too. Okay. I've never heard other people talk about it, but you did. So that gives me hope that I can heal too. So that was one of the reasons like we went through hell and made it out and we wanted to document the whole thing and create a show about it. So I love, and I'm super glad you did. Yeah. 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 I love you're not ashamed about that. You know, a lot of people try and hide that, but you're like, no, this, this is normal. Let me help others. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, And from, again, from that marriage and families. So I have the clinical knowledge, right. And the research based knowledge and the science knowledge behind it, but then also the real, lived experience like literally i walked around with a black eye for like two weeks that was not cool right it was embarrassing oh what happened you know all this stuff and then not only of course was that really like shameful and hurtful emotionally it's like oh my gosh what are we doing this is terrible um but then we were willing to do the really hard work after that and we basically both realized like oh my gosh, we are here in our terrible marriage because of what we have both done. So many times, especially in married couples, are like, oh, I'm unhappy or this didn't work out. And it was kind of what you were saying uh, before, Bracken. It's like, yeah, you know, a lot of people that get married young or young couples these days are married for a small amount of time and go, oh, let's, you know, screw this. We're out of here kind of thing, right? But a lot of couples go, I'm not happy. I'm not content. I'm upset. Something's wrong. I don't feel good. Oh, wait a minute. It's your fault peace out Mm -hmm. right yeah and they just so many couples throw away a lot of stuff because if you don't figure that stuff out and you just get a divorce guess what you were take you're going to take all that uh non-self-awareness all that baggage all that hurt and only bring it to your next partner and you're going to be thinking oh well what's wrong with this one kind of thing right so there's a there's a, a sigmund freud quote um I never really quote things verbatim, but just go with me. Uh, it's uh, he says, um, unresolved issues, uh, unresolved issues always, always come up in more severe, uglier ways, right? Mm-hmm. So the key word is that is unresolved. He doesn't say issues. Oh yeah, you're always going to have issues. It's always going to suck. No, the things that we don't talk about, the things that we don't process, the things that we don't work through, the things that we don't uncover always come up later and uh there's a, a quote it's um uh the only way out is through and sometimes mm-hmm. i think of a tunnel right if i'm digging a tunnel i'm like i gotta get to the other side of this mountain there's no way i'm gonna get a, through uh, to the other side because you know going around it is not an option apparently and in this scenario it's like the only way out to the other side is through so i have to keep on going and me and Melanie, thank God we did that work. And now we're on the other side of that. And we help couples in real time go through that really hard stuff that maybe they hadn't talked about in 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Or 10 years or 
I never thought that they were like this, you know, a certain way or whatnot. But if we're willing to do the work, then the fruits of that work are on the other side. It's like, you know, uh, Brandon, you were talking about entrepreneurship. It's like, yeah, those successful men and women that you see out there who are, you know, like whatever, have all the stuff. What you didn't see is them, you know, five years ago, six years ago, 10 years ago, working their butt off, you know, uh, like I, I think of those pictures of um, uh, Jeff Bezos or um, Steve Jobs, you know, like the tiny crappy desk in a garage is like, oh, yeah, this was Amazon in 19, you know, I don't know, 95 or something like that. But people don't see that. They just think, oh, man, they're balling. Right. Um, but yeah, me and Melanie aren't here because it just poof happened. It was no, we had a coach, we had therapists, we did all the work possible and still have to continue to do that work possible. Cause it's not like just set it and forget it. It's a constant, like tending, you know, like, okay, we're going to attune to this and be mindful of this and be, be, uh, uh, always upping our game, you know, like an athlete. It's like, Oh, okay. You won state championship. Great. What are you doing next year? Cause every other team out there is looking at you going, okay, we're getting them this year. So you got to up your game that much more. Yeah. I like that analogy a lot, actually. And, and it, it's, it's interesting to hear it from you because I, I, when I found your podcast, uh, my wife and I listened to it and, and it's, it's pretty empowering, honestly, um, for lack of a better term to hear your story from where you were and then listen to you speak together because mm -hmm. you are, I, I mean, again, with the cliche, I apologize, but you're like a power couple and, and it's pretty yeah. cool. It, it's really cool to listen to you guys speak. And I, I, I admire that so much. And so what do you say to those couples, you know, we mentioned younger couples, it doesn't necessarily have to be younger, but more, mm -hmm. more so in that, you know, that, that period where they're, where they're moving from everything's all great and bubbly to this is real life and we have problems. And sometimes it is like turn inward and it's me, me, me. And other times you get through it, you get through that mountain. What do yeah. you say to those? Well, I, I mean, it, yeah, it would, it would, I would want to walk with those couples through a long process, but how would they act in any other relationship? Say that, you know, okay, your wife um, had a, you know, had a misunderstanding with her girlfriend or something like that, or her group of friends, like, you know, your wife got her feelings hurt or something. Um, would she just be like, oh, well, okay, they suck and they're wrong for that. So I'm gonna go get a new group of friends. No, you'd be like, hey, can we talk about this and like get it out in the open? And those, first of all, you have to be willing to identify those things, right? Like, okay, this thing happened. Let's talk about it. Cause it's not going to get better if we don't talk about it. Um, but then be willing to do the work around it. And the key is, I believe is we have to be willing to look at how we contributed to that, you know, not like victim blame or anything. I'm not talking about that. It's like, okay, what have I done to this relationship to have contributed to kind of where we are now? Right. I really like the saying, which I would tell this to, to the couples that you're mentioning is like, okay, every, every choice that you've made in your life up until now has gotten to you, this gotten you to this exact point, right? Like the good ones, the bad ones. And if you think of this in financial situations, like, okay, well, I started, you know, a for a, a Roth, you know, IRA or a 401k um, 20 years ago and always just, you know, gave a hundred dollars a week to it or something. Now, yeah, I'm a five millionaire. Um, so those choices back then got me to exactly where I am now. Right. Or the opposite of that. 
I've never saved money. I've got tons of debt, credit card, and my net worth is basically negative. Okay, well, those choices got you to where you are now, right? In marriage, it's no different. In, in individual stuff, it's no different. Everything you've done or haven't done has gotten you to this point. A lot of people don't like to hear that because they go, well, if he wouldn't do this, then I wouldn't be mad or, or this or, you know, whatever, whatever. Or if she was just this way, then I could open up more. I was like, oh, so no, we're not going to give the power to, to somebody else. It's not like, well, I could be a millionaire if that dude had hired me and, you know, giving me a raise. No, that's, you, you had the power in that, right? So we like to, with our coaching couples, we really like to empower clients to be like, okay, you want a good marriage? You can really do tons of things to get you to that marriage, right? And then if your wife or husband is on that same page, then boom, you guys are just going to, you know, go off to the races. And a lot of people don't, don't think that way. I don't think we're uh, acculturated that way, you know, from, from movies to culture, to music, to all this stuff. It's like, oh no, we want it quick. We want it easy. We want it like, oh, if it's kind of hard, then I'm going to kind of putter out and not do it and just blame other people. Um, yeah. And, and it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I, I was actually which, just going to say like, I don't think people think of it that way. I don't, I know I have never thought of it in that way. I've never looked at marriage mm -hmm. and thought, okay, what I put in at the beginning is going to affect what I put in in the end. But when you put it as like investment as money, you know, that's how my mind works and it clicks. That's mm -hmm. it, it makes so much sense to me now. Right. Right. Yeah. If, if people out there want a good relationship and a good marriage, invest in you first. It's like, you know, whenever you get on a plane, we're going to, we're flying out to South Carolina in a couple of days here. And every single time they're like, Oh, if you're traveling with kids, you know, which there always are, you know, um, you know, mom or dad with a young kid on the thing, like put your mask on first, which as a parent, that is totally not how you think initially. They're like, Oh, I got to take care of my kids and get all that. But what good are you if you put your kid's mask on first and then you're passed out in the aisle for lack of oxygen, you can't help get the kid off the plane. You can't do anything. Right. So I tell couples to invest in yourself first, and that's not a selfish thing. So I don't want people to misunderstand me there, make that investment in yourself. And then if you have a growth mindset, if you're listening to podcasts, if you're reading books, if you're doing coaching or some sort of self-improvement thing, then, okay, now you're going to show up up here at hundred and then you will be able to hopefully inspire or bring your partner along to do the same, right? So you have to invest in yourself first, if that makes sense. Uh, well, well, how about this? Since the financial stuff was resonating with you, say like, okay, my hope is, you know, when I'm at a certain age, I want to have a family and I want to have kids college funds and all this stuff. So um, are you just going to wait until like, oh, great, you know, junior is 15, I better start saving or are you like, hey, I can take the initiative now and start investing now. So it's all up to me. Um, I'm doing it under my own volition. I'm doing it now. And then later, we'll all reap the benefits. Like they'll have a college fund. You know, I'll have kids that go to college and blah, blah, blah. And uh, wisdom does now what you'll be thankful for later, right? So how can we set that also to a mental health perspective of, oh, I'm feeling kind of anxious. Should I just like carry that for a year and see where that gets me and not talk to anybody about it? Or no, <laughs> right. Or 20 or 30 for a lot of people. Um, no. And especially with trauma, it's like, no, you got to talk about this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So really reframing it into anything that we can do good for our physical bodies, our spiritual health, our mental health. Now 
we're going to reap the benefits later. I don't care how hard you think it is. I'm like, I could never do that. Well, it's going to be a lot harder later. Trust me on that one. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I know we're running short on time here, but, but it just, you know, you kind of related it back to mental health in general. I love what you said about how we're acculturated because it, you can kind of see it, you know, I, I truly believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I truly believe that the, the stigma that we see around mental health and the problems that we see in people approaching it, especially men, like we talked about, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is deals with our culture's eagerness to take a pill and feel better yeah or do a fad diet and be skinny or you know what you know the list goes on and on but it it, like it never works like that you 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 have to work hard Mm -hmm. to see those results it's just like you know you related it to finance those people they weren't just born billionaires they worked hard for that yeah so yeah super interesting Yeah, you, you have to put the investment because like in, in what other areas do we expect like a quality product to be like made instantly or something? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, so we're out here in Seattle and uh, Boeing, right? The the airplane. So they make, you know, seven triple sevens and 747s flying around all the time, right? And would we, um, they take like three years to build one, right? Because there's billions of parts and it just takes a really long time. It's a long process, right? And I would much rather go, okay, I want to make sure the plane I'm flying on at 25,000 feet, every single thing has been thought about and well thought out rather than like, oh yeah, come on, hurry up. Let's just, you know, build a backyard plane and sure I'll go. Right. Like, no, we don't, we don't treat things that way. So why would we treat our mental health or our marriage or our job or our body? Like, oh, I can just take a pill and numb myself out and not do the work. Uh, Because really, I mean, that's what, you know, culture kind of pushes us to anyway. It's always the easy way out. But usually 99.9% of the time, it's like never, it's like crap food. Like we talk about this all the time. Like I can go to McDonald's right now, you know, get a, like a Big Mac meal or who knows. And it'll be like, oh man, this tastes so good. Right. But I'm going to feel like crap later. Right. But, uh, and I'm not, that's not good for my body. Right. For, you know, nutrients and all this stuff. Or I can go, okay, you know what? I'm going to go to the grocery store and have a well thought out plan. You know, I'm going to get like a, a nice steak or a salad or all this stuff and really take my time cooking it. That meal is going to be 10 X more beneficial to me. Uh, uh, it'll taste better. First of all, it I'll enjoy it more. And like the nutrients of stuff, you know, like organic vegetables, right? It's going to be much more nutrient dense, right? So it's going to be better for me in the long run. So let's not take the easy way out always because um, what's that saying? You can have it like uh, two ways out of three, fast, cheap, or um, high quality. Or no, you can have it one. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, I can do it fast and cheap, but okay, it's not going to be high quality, right? Or if I choose quality, it's not fast and it's not cheap, right? So where Mm -hmm. are we going to sacrifice something for the long-term gain rather than sacrifice a little bit for the short-term gain? And if we can unlearn that way of thinking – in ourselves and then in our marriages and our relationships, then you are going to be glad that you did that one year, five year, 10 years down the road. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, choosing between a Toyota and a Ferrari, you know, Toyota, they mastered their, their, their line, the assembly line, and they can get those out within hours. But Ferrari, you know, it's, it's a luxury car. It takes time. 
And if you put the two yeah. in front of somebody, of course, they're going to choose the Ferrari because people have put way more thought into that way more time, made it so much more valuable. Right. And, and what is the price difference between a Ferrari and a Toyota? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Right. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a really good point there, too. Yeah, for sure. No, Seth, we appreciate you being on so much. Where, where can, where can everybody find you? We want everybody to check, check you guys out because what you're doing is awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. So you can go to the studleys.com S T U D L E Y S. That's just the website or we're, you know, very active in Facebook and Instagram and that's uh, anatomy of marriage. Um, Super active on, on Instagram, but we also have two other podcasts. One is anatomy of sex where we dive into everything, uh, around sexuality and stuff, which is super cool. And they can go to uh, our Patreon page for that, which is uh, patreon.com forward slash anatomy of marriage. And then we have another show called anatomy of family, right? So you guys go check that out. If you got any questions, shoot me an email, Seth at anatomy I read all the emails, uh, respond back and everything. If people have more questions about mental health, about coaching or anything, uh, any, anything, any questions we can answer on the show, just uh, shoot me an email, Seth at anatomy or just uh, follow us on Instagram at anatomy marriage. That's awesome. You're incredible, man. We appreciate your time and what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks you guys. I, I love what you guys are doing, diving into mental health and um, seeing, seeing issues and seeing problems and not being afraid to be like, Hey, let's do something about those. So kudos to you guys. Good job, guys. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, subscribe, leave a rating and a review or share with your friends and family to show your support. If you want to reach out to us, find us on Facebook or Instagram at Evoked Podcast.